Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go. Hey, thanks for joining us in our podcast. Uh, Years ago after 9-11 happened, I remember just being captivated by a story. NFL player Pat Tillman decides I'm going to forego playing in the NFL to go fight for America. Boy, this is starting off differently than I expected. Go ahead. And it was intense. I was just so, I was like, wow, that is incredible. And he wound up dying, uh, fighting for our country and Afghanistan, I believe. I remember watching in an interview, his father said something that just made me stop. I just paused in my tracks and I said, he, he said, you know, there are only a handful of seconds that really matter in a person's life. But what they do with those handful of seconds makes all the difference in the world. I thought that was really interesting. Tony Robbins said something very similar to that, that our life is about moments, hmm. uh, that we have those high impact moments, yes. that there's a lot of effort and uh, hurt and yeah. laughter and a whole lot of other things that go in between those moments. Right. But you can really chalk up the highest impact pieces of a person's life and condense them into mm-hmm. a series of moments. Right. And so the, the what if question that we try to tee up every every week is what if we were actually um, ready, present, available for those few seconds? What if I was actually uh, in a place where I could invest those few seconds in the right direction in a healthy way? And um, sometimes we don't know when that's going to come. It can come at crazy time, right? How could we know when... <laughs> Those high impact moments are coming. Yeah. I feel as though if we knew they were coming, we would overthink them and potentially screw up the moment. Yeah. That very well could be. Well, and you told a very interesting story recently that uh, happened at a dog park. Tell, tell us about the dog park. Yeah. This is a tricky one. Um, so I have a dog. She's a sweetheart. Hmm. And uh, there's a dog park that I frequent. And this was an afternoon, uh, eh, a couple months ago, actually. It was after her first heat cycle. This is all... Nice, a lot uh, of detail in the story. That's good. Totally, yeah. I, I got to really set the stage. <laughs> Imagery is important. Um, cloudy day, a little overcast, maybe about 67 degrees out. I was wondering. Yeah, so this is our first time back at the dog park in a while because I had to keep her sequestered mm-hmm. away from... Uh, other dogs during that season. And I was reintegrating her back into uh, all of her doggy friendships. Saw this lady who I'd seen many a time before. She has four dogs, animal lover. It's a special kind of breed. It's called a Saluki. It's Mm. a greyhound looking dog with longer hair, Egyptian origins. Mm. None of this is going to drive the story, but again, imagery is key. Well, you know, just a little small, small point. They say usually the more detail that comes in a story that has nothing to do with the story, the more accurate it is. So this is a very true story. <laughs> right, right. So 
one of this gal's dogs is about a year old. My dog at the time was about 10 months. And I humbly asked her, I said, Hey, would you mind if our, our dogs play and ran around? Your dog's a super athlete. So is mine. Match made in heaven. Let's go for it. She says, yeah, why not? She's bringing her dog over to the partition in which uh, my dog and I are goofing around. There's three parallel partitions in this dog park, mm. you know, so good dogs, okay dogs, and terrible <laughs> dogs can all have their, their own space. And she's bringing her dog over. And as she's walking over, she asks me, she said, have you ever had a dog get the wind knocked out of him? What do you do for that? And my initial thought was, what are you talking about? I've never thought about this at all, nor do I have any clue how to respond to a situation like that because I've never thought about it. And no more than five seconds after she asked the question, one of her dogs that was in the enclosure, uh, you know, that she was initially in collapses on its side and starts gasping for air. Just, uh, and she just looks at me and she says, it's happening again. This happened the other day. And I'm kind of caught off guard, as one might imagine. There's a couple other uh, dogs and owners in the dog park who are looking around saying, what is going on right now? Hmm. I look at this lady as she's now down on the ground next to her dog. She says, she cries out the lady. She says, she's dying. She's dying. And I look over at her and make eye contact and I say, what do you want me to do? And she says, do you know CPR? And I say, yeah, but on people. <laughs> and without a second of hesitation, I ran over there, got down on the ground and started doing compressions on this dog that was dying. Um, I don't know how to do doggy CPR. <laughs> Dog was on its side, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm hitting both lungs, hitting the heart and getting the compressions in. This should do something. And I'm going at it for five minutes and the dog dies and comes back to life multiple times mm. during this short time period. And after about five minutes, the dog just can't come back and the dog finally dies. Wow. And I stood up and I just looked over at this lady, Allison, and I gave her a hug that lasted way too long. Mm -hmm. She was expecting me to pull away mm -hmm. after maybe a second. Yeah. But I held her for about, mm, seven to 12 seconds. Mm. And she just wasn't ready for that. She thought it was just going to be a, a quick emotionless hug that was kind of an automatic. Yeah. Quick pat on the back. Sorry for you. Sucks for you. You got three more dogs. You'll be fine. Yeah. It wasn't that it was, I held her. But and that's I, what we expect. Yeah. And I, 
I pulled back. I looked her in the eye. I said, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And there was a gal that I know, uh, who's in her seventies walking by the dog park and she came up to me uh, kind of in this aftermath where mm. everybody in the dog park is stunned. Yeah. Uh, saying what the heck just happened this was really intense i was shaken up and this gal she came up to me and she said honey you did so great mm. and i said no i didn't the dog the dog died yeah and she said no it was the hug afterwards mm. and i was just like whoa okay um yeah, this uh, this story gets me a little bit emotional. It's it was an intense moment. Yeah, um, that was a lot. Yeah, and people word traveled through every dog owner that goes to that dog park. Mm. Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what happened? Sure, sure. And people came up to me and they were saying, "Oh, I heard what you did," mm. and there was a part of me that felt super guilty. Because I wanted that dog to live, yeah. even if it didn't live much longer than a couple hours. I right. wish that dog could have passed away at home with some dignity mm. and uh, that it could have been more peaceful because mm. it was really intense and a chaotic situation. Mm. But there were still people who were moved by that, everything that happened. Uh, and I didn't really know what to make of it mm. just as a situation. but. It, uh, I told you this story and you found it pretty meaningful. Well, and it's, to me, there are so many aspects that are meaningful and it plays with the, into the question that we're playing with today and wrestling with is, um, th those few seconds that if, if, if it's just a few seconds in our life that bring meaning, how can we be ready for that? And somehow you were ready. Okay. CPR, that's fine. You may have, may not have been prepared for that. And then. Yeah, you know, first time you told the story, I said, "Did you blow in the dog's mouth?" Because that's what I would say. <laughs> My imagination is trying to picture you, you know, into the dog's mouth, and you inform me that apparently, uh, well, the CPR uh, standards have changed for people, yeah. as far as I know, where yeah. you're not supposed to do the breaths yeah. anymore. It's just steady. You know chest compressions the germ germaphobes have got into the cpr and yeah i should have put my mouth on that dog's uh, snout yeah i and i felt terribly guilty for not mm. doing that yeah and so to me there's a preparedness for those seconds of cpr and you talk about five minutes that would be so traumatic of just watching a dog come back and then die again and come back and die again. I can't, I can't imagine that the euphoria of, oh, I did it. I did it. I saved the day and I saved this dog's life. And oh my gosh, I'm still here doing this. But to me, I was so deeply impacted the first time you told me the story as I am now of just the embrace because you, you are prepared to care for someone in a moment of loss, even though you may have been dysregulated yourself. Your, your heart's spinning, your head spinning, what in the world just happened? But you were still aware enough and present in the moment to give this woman what she needed more than anything else. And that was just a, a loving embrace. Yeah. And I learned uh, after the fact uh, that she'd also lost her husband uh, that year and that 
there was just so much going on in her life. And I didn't know all that. I didn't know all that was going on with her, but I was just there with her in that moment. Yeah. That, that was it. Yeah. I'm lucky. I'm lucky that that is my response in chaotic situations. A lot of people panic. I involuntarily find myself hyper-focused and, yes. and then getting really calm. I don't mm, know. I've never worked on that skill. Yeah. It's a it, gift. It just happens. It's I just go to that, go to that place. And sometimes we can, I think, even train ourselves there just through love and compassion. Uh, one of my friends told a story a while back about a son that was really squirting sideways and he was angry and he was frustrated with a lot of things. And he took his cell phone, he threw it against the wall, it shattered into a dozen pieces. And uh, talk about drama, and maybe that's happened in your home. Maybe you can relate to that in your own life, where you got angry enough that you just wanted to destroy something, to break something, because sometimes our emotions are just going nutty, buddy, and we can't control them. And so he's telling me this story, and I'm picturing this whole range of responses. I'm like, wow. (laughs) I said, so what'd you do? And he said, I walked my son over to the couch and I sat down and I put my arm around him and I just held him. Mm. He said, I just held him. I said, how long? He said, I don't know. It may have been 20 minutes. It may have been 30 minutes. I have no idea. My son just cried and I just held him. And I said, oh my goodness, (laughs) what a beautiful gift (laughs) you gave your son. Right. You think about those times in our life where we have felt that way. We're so mad that we just want to snap someone or something. And someone comes over and just holds us. What message is communicated in that moment to a person? Quite a bit in saying that I know that whatever uh, whatever you're going through, it's got to be a lot. It's got to be a lot. It's more than what just happened. Yeah. If you know, if you're throwing plates on the ground or a cell phone at a wall, there are things that led up to that that are making you feel not okay. Yeah. Nobody throws a cell phone against a wall in a vacuum. Yeah. You don't but- throw a cell phone against a wall because all things have been going super well and then you got one bad text. At least I don't think that's how it happens. Yeah. And it's so insightful to know that there's there's um, a, a story, a bigger story behind this than that what's happening in the moment. Totally. And trying to be present for those important moments is remembering, wait a minute, there's a story that's connected to this, and maybe we need to pause. Maybe eventually we'll get to the story, but the first thing I need to do is just embrace the person. Right, totally. I have a friend in a men's group, and he said something I thought was magnificent. He said, "Sometimes, you know, you hear this phrase in the church, um, hate the sin, love the sinner." And he said, "Unfortunately, it seems like we've done such a good job at the first part, we don't ever get to the second part." And he said, "How about we reverse the order, and let's love the sinner, and 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 then once we've done that, then we'll we'll get to the sin, we'll get to the story, we'll get to the." The the outburst later. Let's order make that the second move. Spiritual order of operations. Yes, fantastic. And that this is coming from a bigger, deeper place. 
than we realize. Uh, to your point, it's not it's not just one text or something that came in. There's there's something triggered in our heart, our mind, our soul that probably needs to be explored. And how many people around us know how to explore that? But going back to your first question and saying, how do we prepare for the moment? I think it would take maybe a little bit of analysis that I would have to do on my own time uh, because it wouldn't be fun to listen to me quietly think on a podcast of what prepared me for that moment. Yes. Because that was really your initial question is how do we become the kind of person who can be that giver, that light in that moment, uh, that person who responds accordingly and isn't reacting. It would be fascinating for me to try to piece that together. Yes. And what that really looks like. Um, I've been through some weird stuff myself and I know what it feels like to be emotionally uh, unhinged and have something tragic happen. And what I wished would have happened to me and for me when I was in a place of distress, having a sense of connection, maybe it's because I've been through things and had an absence of connection to help me through those experiences that I realize how important it is to have that immediate sense of connection in a time of turmoil and loss. Well, that's so well said. And the, the question that came to my mind as you were talking is, if you're in those tumultuous moments, would you even receive the hug? If someone came over with a, a tender, longer than it should be hug, as you, as you described at the dog park, would, would you even be able to receive that? Depends on who it was coming from. Mm really depends on who it's coming from. I think I earned the right to give that lady a hug by stepping into that situation with her. Yeah. That was a traumatic, intense, brief bonding style situation that neither of us could have anticipated. Mm. But we, she and I are forever linked in... Uh, in some capacity, whenever I see her now, there's a moment of recognition, uh, just kind of eye to eye, spirit to spirit, where there is that connection. And she doesn't hold anything against me that I didn't save her dog. I saw her a couple days later And she was so appreciative and that caught me off guard because I was still feeling terrible that I didn't save her dog. Yes. Isn't it amazing that other people can see the beauty in the moment, but all I was focused on was the failure. Yes. Yeah. And I do think that's, that's common. I think we, we can rise to the occasion in a moment and do what's most important (laughs) I mean, as the onlookers said, uh, you know, you, you said, I, I didn't do anything. The dog died. And she looked in your eyes and said, you did everything. Yeah, the, the embrace. Yeah, you did, you did everything you could. You were there in the moment and you did your absolute best. But more than just giving your best to the dog is you gave your best to, to the woman. 
And I think that is beautiful. You had to notice a need, and that's something that you've probably developed as a habit, as a muscle, as a skill, as you've gone through life. You notice when someone has a need. They um, I used to work at a, a gym. <laughs> right. I remember uh, you telling me a really powerful story of just, uh, you know, I was going to ask the question, where's, where is the dog dying around you? Because maybe dogs aren't physically dying all around us, but there are people around us that are making eye contact with us saying, I I have a need. (laughs) I have a heart need, a mental need, a soul need. Maybe it's a physical need. Uh, Did you notice? Can you do anything about it? And you stepped into a woman's world at the gym and, and blessed her. Yeah. Well, there's been a couple times when I was, uh, presented with that opportunity working in the fitness industry. Um, there were parts about it that I really disliked, but the part of it that kept me so engaged, uh, going back, feeling totally full, uh, was changing people's lives. People were blown away that I was working for some large corporate gym, but I would take an hour and a half to sit down with them in my office, hear their entire story, meet them where they were at, and sometimes cry with them if they were hurting where they were brought to tears. I couldn't help myself a lot of the time. Um, And I remember having this high impact moment of setting this gal up and getting her dialed in with some personal training. And she was having a miserable go of it for a couple of years. And she let me in on all of that. I gave her the permission to unload, unleash, and really exhale. And at the end of the conversation, we had shed some tears, had a hug, and she looked at me and said, you're a believer, aren't you? And I didn't respond. I just pulled my cross out of my, uh, out of my shirt, my necklace. And her eyes just lit up and it was this huge moment where there was such a deep connection and that, uh, yeah, that kind of moment, how lucky am I to have a beautiful story like that? Uh, in a lot of ways, sometimes I, this is a quote that was said at one of our men's groups about nine or 10 months ago. And I've told you this quote because it has stuck with me for a long time is uh, you might be the only Bible that somebody ever opens. Mm. And so if that's the case, yeah. how do we bring ourselves into the world? Yes. Yeah, that's so good. And the way we move through our day today demonstrates the kind of Jesus that we know. Is this Jesus distant, aloof? Is he judgmental? Hmm. When I read the pages of the Bible, I see a Jesus that was going through his life, looking people in the eyes, saying, you, you're a person of value, and you have a story that matters, and you have a moment here in the present that matters, and you have a future that matters. In fact, that's the reason I came, is to die so that we could keep spending this time together. Very famous passage in Mark. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What a 
wonderful, sacrificial life that Jesus lived. And he didn't, didn't sacrifice his life. He's, I think he sacrificed his time, his desires. He was ministering to the point where he forgot to eat. He's like, hey, you know what? I'll get food later. Total pro. There are moments here that I don't want to miss in the, in the lives of the people around me. How can we become more aware of those moments? What if we recognize more and more of those moments during the course of a day? I mean, it all depends um, on what we value. Our focus is going to follow what we value. If we value other people, if we value their hearts, that's where our focus is going to be. If our if me working at the gym was just a paycheck, I don't think I would have a similar experience where I was getting to know people and hearing yeah. their story. Yeah. What, what do we find most valuable? Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to see. Mm -hmm. I think. So good. I love that. And you know, I don't know, maybe this takes us in a totally squirrely different direction, but from what I understanding of even, healing from some of the past wounds that we've experienced, whether we've felt broken or betrayed or whatever intense experience we had when we were younger. My understanding of part of our healing journey is inviting Jesus back into those moments and then just picturing how he would interact with us there. How different... Oh, well, now that's interesting. How different would that wound feel when we were eight, when we were 10, when we were 12, 17, whether they were other inflicted or self-inflicted, we invite Jesus into that moment and experience an embrace that maybe was longer than we expected hmm. and a tenderness that started to make that wound feel not as heavy, not as deep. Well, I think to be in that position to help others you've got to be somewhat healed yes yourself it's not to say that i'm all there a hundred percent at least on a journey right a hundred yeah no like totally um but the healing process uh, had started for me years ago i wouldn't have been able to recognize that hurt and respond to that hurt and respond to that situation if I were fully entrenched in my own chaos. Yes. If what was going on between my ears was so distressing that I could not look outside myself, sorry, that dog is not seek, not getting any attention, nor is the lady. Yeah. So, yeah, the process of healing yeah. is important for us to be able to go out and uh, be ready for those moments. Mm. You know, you don't uh, you don't go into battle when you've got no ammo, when you have no equipment. Mm. You have, you know, let's go to armor of God. You don't run into battle naked. Yeah. Um, it's, you yeah. know. Having experienced the fact that Jesus noticed us when we were in trouble and cared for us and did something to fix that um, empowers us to move through our days with a different lens, doesn't it? Certainly. And 
I could argue that that had been happening far before I recognized it. That's an interesting thing to noodle on, as you like to say, is were God and Jesus pursuing me and changing me before I was even a believer? At what point did I simply recognize that it was going on? Um, I don't even know if I had to ask for it in the beginning. It just started happening. Mm-hmm. Yes. What a treat, right? Yes. <laughs> that the healing just started happening yes. and I didn't know what was behind it, who was behind it. But then I kind of stepped into it and, hmm. and found that place of, oh, this is what's been going on hmm. in my heart, in my soul. Oh, yeah, I'm a little late to the party. Does that happen to, yes. and would it, to people, for people, rather? I, I'm sure it does. And the way you've articulated is just so beautiful because it's, it, it's not just, okay, God encountered me here at this point where I said yes, and I really cognitively understood who he was, what he's done for me, what it, what it really meant. Because what you're saying is that, no, there was this drawing, loving, healing process that happened before that, that he was orchestrating. And sometimes he orchestrates that process through the challenges and through the valley of darkness and through the most difficult things and people and circumstances and relationships that we can experience. God's nudging and molding that heart and soul to be able to open up to him. Yeah, that's mind-blowing, though, right? That he helps before we even ask? Yes. Isn't that something? Yeah. Another reason for us to be grateful. So, hey, thanks for joining us on our podcast. We encourage you today to be ready for those moments, those little moments where we can notice and step into um, a person's life or circumstance with love. Thank you for joining us today.